Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. Jeff Johnson coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico with me, Carol. Uh, Carol, you yeah. messaged the other day that you had possibly good news. I think that's something you phrased it, something like that. And I'm like, I, my first thought is, oh, Carol's pregnant. And uh, um, because I, you know, we don't have enough, I've talked about it before. We don't have enough humans. We humans aren't making enough replacement humans. Um, so, and, and then, and then you, you, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I kept that to myself. And then you <laughs> said something about maybe having found a building, which to me is an exciting, as exciting as a baby, but depending on what you're going to do with the building, it's possibly exciting. Are you are you build is are you are you gonna have a club? It's gonna be you starting a secret society. What's going on? Kind of. Uh. Well, the funny thing is, I was like, all right, I just can't look for a building for a while. There's a lot going on. I gotta take care of my own kiddos. I gotta figure out myself this, that, and the other. Um. But a friend of mine, um, is opening a bed and breakfast. I'm in a town that's a little ways away from here, and there's a church being sold next to it which she is looking to purchase. She's in the process of trying to purchase. That's why it's possible because it hasn't gone through yet. You know, but she let me know because she knows I'm looking for a building, but this church has um, classrooms on the back end of it. Mm-hmm. So it looks like I might have my own program. Oh, what kind of program? A child program. Uh, probably like a, program. Like, a, like a child program. Like a pre-K in the mornings. And then um, the grand scheme of what I would like to do is like a pre-K program in the morning. And then in the afternoons, it would be a homeschool resource center. So, you know, I, I want to like stock it with like, you know, like sewing things and photography things and art things and um, just stuff for kids to come and hang out and explore like whatever interests that they have. Because I know, especially especially with unschooling parents and with all homeschooling parents, it can be hard like when your kid gets interested in something and I mean you'd really like them to explore that interest but it's very hard to keep up with the supplies needed sure you know you don't want to like buy a sewing machine or a computer or a camera for a kid that you're you know because sometimes kids they'll do it for a couple days they don't like it sometimes they'll do it for a couple hours they don't like it sometimes it'll be months and then they drop it and I think kids need to be free to do that so I was like well if I have a place where they could just come and use those materials sure you know, and like hang out, and that's that's in, in e- even even a, a a loose parts donation drop off oh, place yeah. where people come in and pick up pick up you you charge them three bucks to fill up a grocery bag full of stuff or whatever fill up their trunk or whatever, um and and you can you can become a a, a place for people's garbage, pretty ah, much yeah ah, that's... yeah um 
so you're smiling when you're talking about this it's it's nerve-wracking because it's you know we're talking like real world money and lots of stuff like that so i'm tentatively excited but i know that you know it might not happen which is fine but hopefully i i think there's a need for it like especially with pre-k's like people will often ask me like well what's a good center and i have zero places to send them (laughs) i haven't opened it yet yeah i'm like i I got nothing. We get together at my house on Mondays if you want to stop by. You know, that's that would that would make your your home your home again, which might be nice. Yes. And that was a conclusion that I had come to because initially I was upset because I understood that this kind of opportunity does not pop up often. Mm -hmm. And I understood that there's other people involved who if I declined. I didn't want to cut somebody else off at the knees, like, cause this is their shot too. Yeah. Um. So, but I have been kind of overwhelmed with the amount of stuff in my house. I don't, you know, everyone's like, well, just pare it down. And it's like, that's hard to do when you're homeschooling and unschooling and you're, you know, your kids aren't going to be interested in everything all the time. So you can't just, oh, well, they haven't touched this in two months. Get rid of it. Like, that's not the way it works. Yeah. Um. But then the thought occurred to me, I actually looked at my husband and I said, a lot of this would be gone. It would be up there. It wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And I, he was like, that would, that would be nice. You know, <laughs> that, would be, that would be great. Well, one of, from, from stories you've told in the past, one of the, one of the popular loose parts that you've, you've kids have been engaging with is that husband of yours. So would you, <laughs> would you be importing him to the, to the new building uh, from, or, or would it be a lend lease kind of thing going on or, um would you or, or would he be would be he yeah, he's be gotta work free. <laughs> he's gotta work so i mean i'm sure if i had like something going on like on an evening or a weekend he would probably and i'm sure, sure he probably will come up with his own ideas of things that he would like to do because his kids don't want to do anything with him he's got all these great <laughs> yeah, fun I... ideas his kids are like go away <laughs> his kids his kids are over him <laughs> well that's, that's kind of that's kind of cool. Um, and I can't wait to to hear updates of, of how it turns out. What are they going to use the rest of the church for? Are there plans for that? Is it going to be some sort of a nightclub? A venue hall. Um, a because venue. it's like it's right next to the bed and breakfast. So I guess uh-huh. there's like a nice big room there that she'd like to do like teas and like events in. And then like if like a wedding reception could be held in like at the I think the main um chapel area would be uh-huh. big enough for that or whatever it is that she decides to do um yes it'll be like a a happening spot the the red tape's gonna kill me but i might just avoid all of it so we'll have to see what happens sure are there ways are there ways around licensing and all that kind of stuff or yes and i've actually been talking about it for a couple years and i think i think um my my main friend that would do it with me i think she's starting to see what i'm saying about it at first she was like, er, and I was like, well, let's think about it. But I think we would just might have the parents stay. It might not be like a drop-off situation mm-hmm. per se, because if the parents are still on the premises, you don't need any kind of licensing or, or it, then it becomes like a entertainment recreation type thing. Sure. So there's like, and I guess from what I haven't, I haven't been inside to see it. I'm going uh, next week to take a gander. But from what she's saying, there's like extra rooms. So I intend on setting one of them up as like a parent lounge. Uh-huh. 
So they don't, if they, they're welcome to stay in the classroom as long as they follow my parameters. Like there will be no stupid crafting in my, in my building, <laughs> get out. Um, but otherwise they could, you know, bring your laptop if you have work to do, go get some coffee, visit. Yeah. Does it have to be, does it have to be parent on the premises or does it have to be um, supervising adult on the premises? Like a guardian. I don't think it has okay, to be. Okay, so so you set it up like this. Um, one parent goes and picks up three or four kids in the SUV or the minivan, shows up. That parent stays with the kids. So you don't have to have a kid, a, an adult for every every family of kids. Yeah, you have an true. adult for multiple kids, and then and then so, but you're still you're still working the system that way. Yeah. The um. They would just have to sign probably like something that says like I'm in like I'm leaving my my kid is in the care of yeah. this person right now, which I think would work. Trying to find a lawyer who has any idea what I'm talking about is proving sure. very difficult because it's not something that's done apparently. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like setting, like setting something like that that up that the parents would rotate, and then that doesn't end up being such a such a big commitment to all yeah. of all of them. I mean, my other thought was, and again, I do have to get legal counsel on it, is that, I mean, for child care, and I think you've alluded to this too, there's a certain amount of kids that you have to be in charge of for you to be deemed, like, fall under the umbrella of a child care center. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's six kids that are not your own in Pennsylvania. I think it, because I think it's worded seven or more. So I think it's like you could have up to six. So if that's the case, I would have six spots of six parents who could leave. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Without me being considered. Uh-huh. But that's I don't need to get myself in a whole lot of legal trouble. Yeah, yeah. But you gotta and, you gotta work the system any way you can. Well, well that yeah. sounds that sounds delightful. Um and that kind of kind of feeds into what I wanted to talk about, the idea of the minimum effective dose. Um and when I first threw this topic out, you were like, why would Jeff want to talk about that? So what were you, what do you, what, what do you think when you think minimum effective dose? Doctor's offices and microdosing, if we're going to be. Okay. Do I don't know what microdosing is. Uh, that's, I guess people do that for drugs that are not prescribed, but have therapeutic effects. Some people will take what's called a microdose. So it, you know, it's basically the minimum therapeutic effect. Like the minimum. Oh, so that's when I, when I, when I take my, uh, when I, when I go someplace and take my flask along and just, <laughs> just take a little, take a nip and you're good. Take yeah, a I nip of my flask every once in a while. Am I microdosing? <laughs> yes. All right. Does that make me cool? Am I cool? I so. Yeah. Hey. Um. So it's along those lines that I'm talking for talking about, and that's where that's where this grows from. But it's the, the whole idea that um when we're working with kids, we often find ourselves doing much more than we we need to do. Uh, when two kids are are having a disagreement about something, we've got to go in and we've got to play we got to play rules lawyer with them and and work out the whole situation and guide it. When uh, when the minimum effective dose might be um, saying to them from across the room, you guys okay? Everything okay over there? Um, and, or anybody need any help? Yeah. Uh, and then staying out of it. Um, I, I think we, when it comes to kids' craft projects, there are, I mean, there are too many early learning programs where kids <laughs> make a craft pot project. And then during nap time, some, some well-meaning adult goes and puts the googly eyes where they're supposed to go. 
um, all that kind of stuff. And so what I'm really talking about is, is doing the minimum that needs to be done. The whole idea of um, doing the, the way I like to phrase it is doing as, as much as necessary, but as little as possible to intervene uh, because yeah. when we, when we get all, when we overdose on our interventions with kids, we often steal away the problem solving and learning possibilities for them. That's where, where I wanted to go with it. But um, I don't know if that makes any sense or if that's just something it that's does. flopping around inside of my head. Well, and I think it makes sense too, because I mean, that's, it's a, it's a lot the same as drugs. Like basically if you give a lot more than needs to be given, the only thing you are going to create is dependence. So sure. Like, like where, like you're not giving anyone any opportunity for growth. They're just going to become dependent on you. And this is something that I'm currently struggling with. Like, it's a fine line between being supportive and giving guidance that's needed and making things too easy or doing whatever. And, you know, sometimes I will adjust things and I think, oh, it'll be easier for them to do this. And then I'll get into the cycle where I notice I'm making it easier and easier and easier. And the only thing that happens is they participate less and less and less. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, well, she'll fix it. She'll figure it out. She'll make it more pleasant. She'll, you know, and then I'm like, you know, and then I'm a screaming lunatic. because I'm like, what is wrong with you people? And I feel like I've created this. You know? <laughs> it's a disaster and I made it. Yeah. Damn it. I tried so hard. <laughs> so, so one of my, my favorite examples of this, and I've told the story before about my, my daughter, when she was little, we'd go, we'd adventure out to playgrounds and, and she is barely two and she's around this multi-level play structure. She's climbing around and I'm sitting over on a bench and it's got one of those, those slidey downy poles, those fireman pole type things. And she's watching kids that are two and three times her age, uh, reach out and grab this pole and slide down. And she's watching and she's watching and she's watching. And then she's looking at the pole and she's looking at me and she's looking at the pole and she's looking at me and she's never done this before. And um, it would have been real easy for me to jump up and light my hair on fire and scream and like, yeah. no, no, you're going to hurt yourself. But, but what I did is I, uh, I, I gave her kind of the, uh, the, the, uh, the dad nod, the like the, Hey, yeah, you're, you're good. Um, and then she reached out. It's a long reach when you're barely two yeah. and uh, reaching out for that pool. And she grabbed the pool and wrapped her little legs around. And she slid down really easy because she was wearing a dress. And that that kind of got in there and, and made it kind of slippery for her. So she went down and her face fucking lit up when she made it all the way down successfully. And I exhaled because I was holding my breath the whole time I realized because not not because I was worried about her I was worried that she might get broken and then I'd have to explain it to Tasha um <laughs> so I was I, I was it was selfish I was worried about my own well-being um but oh, I gotta I, disappoint I Tasha <laughs> yeah I could have I could have run over and I could have like okay you you grab it and let me let me get your feet while you get out there and let me help you um but the minimum effective dose uh, a look a look of, yeah, I trust you to do this. And and so those kind of things can be really supportive of kids in, in figuring out how to navigate the world. Yeah. And I, I think another big thing that comes to mind too, when you talk about like minimum effective dose is we tend to see things that kids like or that 
kids are like kind of experimenting with or a little bit interested in with and we just flood them with all things that and they're immediately not interested anymore <laughs> it's like too much too much because it, it you know it doesn't help so you know especially for me it's like okay they have an interest how much do I want to provide because yeah. I I mean even like talking to my younger daughter today I had this idea because she's complaining she has too many clothes huh, first world problems you know she's always complaining about her laundry she changes like three times a day to try and figure out what she wants to wear and then she's mad she's like I have all this laundry to put away I'm like stop changing several times a day I don't know what to tell you so I said, well, whatever you don't want that fits you now will fit her friend next door who doesn't have a lot of clothes. So I was like, well, she can come over and pick what she wants. And she's like, fine. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we like, because, you know, she's my girly girl. She loves to shop, whatever. And I'm like, oh, maybe we could make like a little boutique for her to come and shop in and she could pick what she loves. And immediately she was like, ew. Like, <laughs> too much too much <laughs> she's like back off mom <laughs> yeah pretty much like and she is the kid that will be like like my older daughter will just kind of get quiet and make a fa face the no the younger one's like now that she i think her words were now that i have a problem with <laughs> i think that's <laughs> good for her i love this kid um yeah because most a, a lot of kids i can't say most but a lot of kids would just go with it and then it ends up being uh, one of those things for them that yeah could have been it could have been a lot less complicated um yeah she was like first like she's at the age too where she's just getting used to the idea of giving other people her things mm -hmm. you know she was one of those kids that really clung on to her things and she didn't like to get rid of her things and she didn't like to see other people wearing her things yeah you know like she was super possessive over things but as she's gotten older she's gotten like over it she's gotten better with it so you know like she was now she's like yeah okay you know, I'll see what, what she wants. And then I tried to make it like, oh, wouldn't you just love this? And she's like, no, I wouldn't. She's like, that's over the top. Like, get away from me. <laughs> like, yeah. I ever it, look at the clothes and pick them? Like, why does it have to be? And, and it, it can be hard to know when to hold back or, or back off because, I mean, the intentions are in the right place. We're trying to be helpful and we're trying to, to have a relationship and we're, we're you, I mean, usually um, we're not trying to, I mean, we, we usually when we get involved or over-involved, we're not, it's not for nefarious reasons. We think we're doing right. the right thing, um, but it can, it can seem, it can seem that way to, 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 to other people. And so knowing how and when to, to step back a little bit can be, it's kind of a hard dance to do. Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, I feel like it's like a cycle here. Like we go through times where, you know, I'm like very hands off. I'm trying to give them their space. But if, if you're too silent and you're just like completely off of the radar for them, at least for my kids, they generally don't do much. You know, they, they get into a place where, especially if they've like completed what they're working on, they don't know what they, what they want to work on next. You know, they kind of just exist there for a while. So then I kind of have to like reintroduce myself kind of like, oh, okay, well, what's going on here and provide some guidance. But, you know, a lot of times in my head and it's, and it is very hard for me because, you know, being like a trained teacher, I still do have all of that in my head, like all of my clinical work and schoolwork and how classrooms work. And so I do still have those ideas in my head, like, this will be so much fun. We're going to do this and this and this. 
and they're like great you know and it's just and now like then they're afraid to approach it even if they're still kind of interested in whatever topic i'm talking about they won't want to bring it up again for fear Mm -hmm. that i'm gonna go like 110 percent in and they were in for like 20 percent. they're like we this is not what we want so but it is like that balance of how much is the right amount of attention or support or whatever yeah, they 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 keep it on the low down because they don't mom, want mom to go to go batshit crazy over over the thing that they're thinking about. So yeah, and 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 that's going to does. how how much um, to intervene. It depends. I mean, it varies person to person, and I mean day to day with the same person probably. Yeah. And so it it really comes down a lot to the to the relationship that you have with the people and and how how well you know them as individuals to know know where that line is um i wasn't thinking about this when we got started but but thinking about it i've been i've been experiencing this kind of thing with with tasha lately and since she's not here listening no she wouldn't care if i talked about it if she was um so she last uh, january february she started started uh lifting heavy stuff i mean before that she'd go into she did her little 10 pound dumbbells or whatever and 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 then I, i i convinced her that you know you should get strong because you're getting old and you know what you're making a face at me like is that really wise advising your wife to get strong <laughs> yeah yeah because uh look, i like a strong powerful woman I, I like a strong powerful woman for one but <laughs> but also one of her biggest fears is turning into one of those little old lady that that uh that uh is walking all hunched over and uh and oh, breaks a now. hip and the way you the way you avoid i mean lifting heavy stuff uh, is great for bone density and and retaining calcium and all those kind of things in your in your bones and keeping you you strong because the other thing she doesn't want to to um, experience is having to have somebody come in and take care of her personal needs and so if you're going to be an 85 year old lady and be able to get up and off off up and down from the toilet by yourself um, being strong is a, a yeah. way to do that and so there's there's lots of reasons to do it but so she decided she's got doing this and so. I have all kinds of tips and advice Um, and all of my tips and advice are appropriate and useful and would be beneficial. Sure. And? And annoying as fuck, probably. Absolutely. If doled out in the wrong quantity or at the wrong time. And so I want to say, okay, if you do this and this and this and this and this, then this and this and this will happen. And I I can't um, because that just ends up with an angry, irritated wife. And then there aren't as many shoes laying around on the floor. And there's no more shoes. Uh, <laughs> the only shoes around are the ones thrown at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope. I hope listeners of the podcast are listening close enough to, to get the, get the, get the call back. Um, so my thing is now is I, I I wait until she voices some interested interest in any little bit of knowledge I may might be able to impart. And I and and then I celebrate the fact that, hey, you did the thing that I said you should do, and then that thing you were trying to do got easier. Um, good for you, but also I think, hey, if she would have listened to me six months ago, eh. um, but that's see, just because you're I'm a, a lucky dick. man. She see, I get mad when that happens. I'm like, see, 
see, I told you it would work out well. Like, I want to slap him. I can't. <laughs> I can't. And, and yeah, and I should learn to keep my mouth shut about those kind of things, too. So the other day, um, she was deadlifting, and I've been telling her to make this one really simple adjustment to her deadlift. Um, and she made half of that adjustment and deadlifted um, a weight she'd never deadlifted before and was all like, fuck yeah. And I'm like, well, it's because you changed that little thing up. But I, I didn't I didn't say that. I just said, yeah, good, good for you. Um, so she I mean, she she deadlifted 170 pounds for the first time. And um, she's she's going to be pushing 200 uh here pretty soon if she if she keeps it up and so it's wonderful but to keep her going and support her i've got to do less because she needs smaller doses than i want to give her of of support um and that's fine and, and i mean she's she might be very different from me but like even like myself sometimes people and it's not that i think that they're wrong or they're giving me bad advice but sometimes I'm trying to do something and I have just barely talked myself into doing the thing. Like I don't have the bandwidth to attend to form or function or making it better. Like mm -hmm. I'm just trying to keep something going. Like I just got myself here. Please do not ask any more than the bare ass minimum of me because I'm about yeah. ready to cry and leave. And then I think, I think guys, cause even my husband, I think sometimes he'll see me in a state like that. And he just wants to help. Sure. So he's like, oh, well, let me, you know, I can do this or whatever. And then I'm like, get away from me. And he's just like, I've got no idea about what's happening. You know, he's like, I, I didn't mean anything. But I, and a lot of times I will take it personally. Like, just let me be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so knowing when it's, again, is that, that, that's that fine line to navigate about when to when to step in. And the other thing is we most humans, I think, are we're kind of wired to want to figure things out for ourselves and yeah. and to be the initiators of our own stuff and to feel like we're guiding the ship. It's that it's that um it's where agency and autonomy rub up against each other. And so when we've got too much interference, too much overdosing from other people, it kind of gets in the way from that and steals steals maybe a little bit of our interest and momentum and kind of clouds things a little bit. I get maybe is that what happens yeah I think so and I mean again it's like I don't think well sometimes people are doing it to be a dick but well sure I mean it's it's pretty just, much I think adults are harder than kids though I mean most kids I think as adults I like for me I've gotten this far in life where I'm so used to telling people telling me what I should be doing how I should be good it, how I wasn't good enough at this that or the other that it doesn't matter if someone has none of those intentions. That's automatically what I'm assuming mm -hmm. that they're, you know, that they're coming at me and I'm like, shut up, leave me alone. You know, but like a lot of like, especially like younger kids, particularly if they haven't had much to do with the school system yet, it's just a simple, did you need any help with that? Or are you good by yourself? Yeah. And yeah. they'll be, and you know, and sometimes if a kid is like, I don't know, it's like, well, it doesn't have to be right. Like you, you seem like you're doing okay, but just let me know. Just let me know if you need something. Yeah. So they don't feel like they're abandoned and alone. They have to figure it out themselves, but they're given the opportunity. And like 99% of kids that I have come in contact with appreciate that. Like, do you need anything? No, I'm, I'm you know, and a lot of times they'll start explaining what they're doing. 
And then you could see, like, you don't want them to lose that thought process. You don't want them to lose that fail because the fail yeah. is worth more than the success half the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, so a, 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 a little one fiddling with their shoelaces. A lot of times an adult will come over and say, oh, you want me to show you how to tie your tie your shoelaces? And the kid is like, the kids still have shoelaces? I don't even know. That's how, how removed I am from the world. I I, I got to think shoe their shoelaces. Enough of are... them. My kids were embarrassingly old when I realized they had no idea how to tie a shoe. I was like, oh my bad. Yeah, I mean, if you're under fourteen, I think it's okay. Um, but we'll we'll see them fiddling, and then we'll think, oh, you want me to show you how? And the, the and the kid is really like, no, I just want to fiddle with my shoelaces and tie them into knots and fiddle with them. Um, and so instead of jumping in, just because we see them touching their shoelaces and trying to teach them, uh, holding off on that direct instruction until they're actually interested is is a is a more effective dose. Because if yes. you try to if you try to if you offer direct instruction when they're not interested or ready for it, you're you're wasting everybody's time. But if you hold yes. off on it until some interest in voices, uh, please show me how to draw a star. Please show me how to tie my shoes. Please show me how to start this nail into this piece of wood so I can pound it in. Whatever it is, holding off and and giving them that that small dose when they're ready for it is is a much more effective process. Yeah, I mean, like again, like with me and homeschooling, it's like the it's the same thing. Like with my kids, I've noticed like they would have things in school. My older daughter had spent, you know, she was in school up until fourth grade, and there were things that she supposedly mastered in school but couldn't apply. And then, but I, you know, in the beginning, I thought, oh, I have to get her to catch up in certain areas or whatever. And then when I kind of realized that that's not the best way to go, and I just wait until it comes up. Mm -hmm. and then they're like oh well how do I do this they'll get it in the explanation and sometimes it's stuff they supposedly got in all of their schooling but they did that for how many months never actually understood it couldn't really use it but in 15 minutes and walking through something they get it yeah I mean yeah. that's not everything but it happens more than you would think and I think a big thing is adults will think well they're gonna need this for life and my argument is always, okay, well, if they need to know how to do these things because it comes up so often in life, why do you think the opportunity to teach about it is never going to come up? Yeah, if absolutely. If you're using these all of the time. If it's an important thing, it's going yeah, to pop up. It, it's going to pop up. So like, well, no, you have to make them do it every day. Well, again, like you said, I'm just wasting everyone's time then because they, they're not, they just don't. They, and. I had a, my older one was an excellent text, test taker, an excellent student. Teachers loved her because she was in a behavioral problem. She could do it. And she has told me, she's like, I could do it if you gave me a worksheet. She said, mm -hmm. but what they're talking about, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Because it's, it's so, it's so specialized the way they teach it that the yeah. worksheet is the only way they know how to experience it. I was thinking about this. Um, hospice nurses are really good at the minimum effective dose. I, I was thinking about back when my my dad was was in the process of dying. He had uh, lung cancer, and they took hunk of a lung out, and then six months later, it metastasized into his his uh, his hips and uh, other parts of his body, and uh, and he was and so here here's a here's a morphine patch, and as he got worse and as the pain got greater the minimum of the minimum effective dose uh 
um, became bigger and bigger morphine okay. patches to keep that pain under control. And, uh, and the nurse was great at this. She's like, okay, he, he's, he's hurting more. You need to make sure he's getting, getting this a little bit more frequently or a bigger patch or whatever it is. And, uh, and then she's like, um, he's going to die in the next 12 hours just by looking at him. And, and she was, and she was right. And, uh, and, and she was right because she is so tuned in to that job she does over and over and over again, that, uh, that she read those signs. And so part of being able to understand giving, giving children the minimum effective dose in our programs is to be, to be really tuned in and paying attention to the signals that they're sending out all of the time that, uh, that often we miss because we're, we're ready to rush into our curriculum and our lesson plan and not paying, and we're not paying attention, uh, paying heed to, to what the the signals that they're sending us about what they really need or want. Yeah. And you, you can't form those relationships with kids and you can't understand those kids and, and tune yourself to those kids. If you're more concerned about getting them to do what you want them to do yeah. and getting everybody to do the same thing and the same art project. And we're all sitting down now for circle time and we're all do like, you're only going to know how each kid is in that specific at best, how each kid operates and what you've artificially set up. So you can't, it's not a real, you know, it's, it's not a real relationship in that sense. Yeah. If you're, if you're more focused on your desired outcome than their individual interests and needs, you're probably going to have a hard time navigating this. And even if you think you kind of know what they need, you're not going to know what the minimum effective dose is. Like had that nurse started your dad on his ending dose to begin with, like, oh, just to make sure he's not in pain, he would have been robbed with how much lucid time that he yeah. could talk to people and yeah. visit with people. Like it basically would have robbed him of the time he had left because he would have been out mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, absolutely. So it, like, you're just, you're stealing from people when you do yeah. that. Like, yeah, absolutely. A little so, dab of do you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, mm, I liked morphine. I only, I've only, I've only had one morphine experience. My appendix burst, and um, they had me on a morphine drip, and I had, a, I had a button. Except apparently, I used the button a little bit too much, so uh, uh, they, I took I my morphine I've been away. Given morphine, I really liked mm. my first epidural. That was fun. Ah, I haven't had one of those, but uh, you it's know, a good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to some morphine in my future at some point. That's a <laughs> good way to go, I think. Um, hey, thinking back also, about 28 minutes ago when you started talking about your building, um, I wanted to overdose on ideas uh, because I've got <laughs> thoughts. I've got all kinds of fucking thoughts. Oh, Kept it to myself. Oh, good for you. But I'd still like uh, your thoughts. Well, um, when you ask for them and... Uh, and well, and how do you, I, I know what to ask, though? I don't know what thoughts you have. Thoughts about what? Mm, I've got, I mean, I, I don't know. It depends on what you're doing and how you're doing. And I got thoughts about, about uh, handbooks and I got thoughts about programming and I thoughts about loose parts and I got thoughts about wall colors and I've thoughts, got thoughts about flooring. Uh, I got thoughts about every fucking thing. Ooh, flooring is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, that's what this podcast is for. Uh, for me, it's like, Oh, Carol's found a building, lots of future episodes. Um, <laughs> indeed. Because indeed. Because uh, when you need a dose of ideas, I'm sure that's going to come up in our in our little chat exchanges before we record. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, listeners, this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast that you can't overdose on. Back soon.
Bye-bye. Bye. There is no minimum effective dose of this podcast. No you, just gotta, you just gotta you gotta shove it into your veins, baby. Take it all. <laughs>